All right. Thanks, Deborah. Man, I want to preach in a hat like that. I don't know if I can get away with that. But uh, welcome to 2021, everybody. Y'all excited? Woo! Hey, I'm so glad 2020 is over with, um, honestly. And, you know, every time we have a, a, a new year, I always think about two things. New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you've made some New Year's resolutions. I've made some myself. But the, the more important thing for me that I think about when it comes to a new year, the New Year's time is football, right? Amen? Amen, everybody? So, uh, yeah, I, I love college football, and I've been watching way too much of it. And last night, there was a big game, guys. There was a big game on. And I'm, I'm an Aggie. I went to A&M, and I'm um, from Texas. And so I know I'm in kind of a foreign territory here, but I watched A&M play. My team, my alma mater, play last night in the Orange Bowl, and, man, it was not going good at the beginning. If you watch this game, I was really kind of nervous. Uh, Chris Ledford texted me before and said, what's the score going to be? And I said, A&M's going to win by 10. And then I texted and said, by 20. You know, I was, just, I was just really cocky about it. And halfway through the game, I'm going, oh, no. Like, this is not going good. And you know what? Something happened um, halfway through the game, and A&M changed their strategy, and they got a lot better at what they were doing. In the second half, they won by 14, and it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, we're really good, whatever. Okay, anyway, so, um, man, I, I was pumped. I was excited. But I was thinking about what is the change that happens for a team that's not doing very good at the beginning to doing really well at the end. It's usually there's a, a turning point right in the middle of the game, and it's, it's the halftime. It's, it's the halftime speech. The coaches get together, and they, they come up with a new game plan. But what would happen to a team if instead of going to the locker room, you saw them in line at the concession stand at halftime? And all of a sudden they walk out and they got hot dogs and they got popcorn and they got their Cokes and they're ready to go. They got their nachos, some jalapenos on there a little bit, you know, not too, not too much, but just a little bit. And they were ready. Like it would not go good, right? It would not go good. The second half would probably either be the same as the first half if they weren't playing very well or it would be a lot worse. And I was thinking about for us that right now we are at halftime. And today's sermon can kind of be the halftime speech um, for our church in the season that we're in. Because I was hoping, just like probably you were, that, that COVID, this pandemic stuff, would be over in 2020, right? Like, let's get through 2020, everything's going to be fine. But I really think, and I hate to say this, but I feel like we're only like halfway done. That this is going to continue for a long time. And so the question is for us, is we, have, we have two options. We can either... Go to the concession stand at halftime, right? And just say, you know what? We're just going to mail it in in the second half. We're going to kind of continue the same things we're doing. Everything's going to be fine. And we'll just, we'll just kind of go on and go on to get on. But I think there's a better way for us. That at halftime, we can take a step back and go, you know what? We need to do things differently. And we need to get maybe a stronger power source and a new game plan for what we're going to do. I really believe that, that that power source and that game plan is for us to go to God and ask him to show up big time. For him to be on our team and say, God, we need you in the second half. We need you to be there for us and to show up in a big way. And it can be for all of us, but also it's for us personally. So there's a lot of things that, you know, in 2021, we need to be praying for, for ourselves, for God to show up big time. We need to be praying for, you know, our, our, our social lives, our, our relationships that we have our spiritual lives, 
Maybe physically we need to be praying for some things. There's a lot of things we need God to, to fix in our lives. There's also a lot of things we need God to fix when it comes to us corporately as a church. We need God to show up big time. Here's the great thing that I think we need to look at today is that his answer, his fix for, for what is broken or what needs to, to change, it's so close. It's right there. In fact, Jesus teaches us just how close the answer is for us. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. And we're going to actually start in verse 9 in this, this passage. And we'll jump back to the beginning. But I want to start in Luke Chapter 11, verse 9, and Jesus is talking here to his disciples, to his followers, and he says this. He said, I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened and then he says, you know what, let, let me explain it a little bit further. Let me help you to understand what, what I'm saying here. And he says this, you fathers, all you fathers out there, or, or let's say all you, you parents, you, you that have kids, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Well, some of us might, I don't know, uh, but, but no, right? And he says, verse 12, or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people, okay, if you, you normal, messed up people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that we need to ask. Simple as that. It's kind of the point of it. Like we need to ask. We need to ask God in prayer. And there is great power in the prayers that we Pray. Because here's something I've realized throughout Scripture that every time there's a big movement of God, something happens first. And it's a big ask. Every time there's a big movement, it always is, follows a big ask. In fact, we see this in the Old Testament. The Israelites, they're, they're messed up. They go with God and they go against God. Over and over again, every time they, they turn back to God, what do they do first? And first they go to God and they pray. They repent and they say, God, we've messed up. We need to get it right with you. And God says, okay, let's do this. Think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a great man of God, great leader. And he fixed Jerusalem. But before he created a plan and had the strategy. And before he, he got all the troops, all the, all the Israelites were ready to, to build the wall and fix what was broken. You know what he did before that? He prayed. He went to God and he prayed. I think about the early church in Acts chapter four, and they were under intense persecution. Persecution that you and I just, we can't even fathom what was going on. I mean, they were, they were having to choose between preaching Jesus um, and, and possible death or, you know, just kind of, let me just back out into the shadows and, and have safety, but not doing what God wanted me to do. Like they had this, this, this was very difficult situation for them to be in. And they, they said, you know what? We need to go to God and pray. And they prayed and said, God, give us courage. Give us strength to be able to do what you've called us to do. And God answered their prayers and the church exploded. 
It was amazing. Thousands and thousands of people were coming to Christ because of the boldness that people had. So if we want God to move, like in our lives personally in 2021, but also in our church, we need to pray like never before. And here's one thing that's really awesome about God. He doesn't just tell us to do something, but he shows us, right? He doesn't just say, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's all these rules to follow and all that kind of stuff. No, he, instead he sends Jesus. And Jesus models for us what it means to follow after God. And he models for us how we are supposed to go and to approach the Father. In fact, Jesus has named a lot of things um, in the Bible. He's some of the great names, the sustainer, the creator, the Lord, Messiah, the Savior. But he's also known as a great prayer. He is an awesome prayer. You know, he never messed up in his prayers. He's perfect. I can think about it. He never said um in his prayers. He never, like, daydreamed, you know. He never, he never repeated himself. Uh, he never lost his train of thought. How many of y'all lose your train of thought when you're praying, okay? How many of y'all lose your train of thought when someone else is praying, like, like all the time, okay, just thinking about other stuff? Jesus never did that. One of the worst is when, you, you know, you're at a restaurant and you ask someone to pray. So let's pray for the food, right? So they sit down and then five minutes later, they pray for everything but the food. Never happened to you? That happens to my family all the time, right? I'm like, okay, we got to pray for the food. Forgot about that. But man, Jesus never did any of those things. He is perfect when it comes to having a prayer life. And so to what I want to do today is I want to look at his example of how to pray. Because I believe something is happening within our church that 2021 can be this opportunity for a turning point for us. And I go back and I think about where we've come from, all the way back to in the 1960s when this church was founded in downtown and where we are today. And I believe we're at this, this turning point, this critical moment, 2021 can be this moment for us. But we can't just come up with these strategies and these plans and new ministries and doing all these things without going to God in prayer. We need to be people who pray. That needs to be the, the starting point for us in 2021. So let's go and look at what Jesus said. So Luke chapter 11, we start in verse nine. We kind of read nine through 13. Let's back up to verse one. In verse one, his disciples had, had heard Jesus praying all the time. They had, they had seen him uh, do incredible things and he would go and pray all the time. And they're like, man, we want to know how to pray. And so I can imagine that they got together and were like, hey, hey, uh, Bartholomew, you go, go, and, go and ask Jesus how to pray. He's like, I'm not asking Jesus how to pray, right? Can you imagine if, if, if you had to go ask Jesus how to do things? Like, I, don't, I don't want, he's perfect. You know, he never makes a mistake. I, I don't want to, I don't want to ask him. And, you know, they probably, they probably like dared each other a little bit. You know, hey, why don't you go do that? I dare you to ask Jesus how to pray. I double dog dare you, right? And if one of the disciples double dog dares another disciple, they've got to go do this. And so here's what we read in verse one of Luke chapter 11. It says this, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, okay, let me teach you. This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we, we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. 
Now, you guys know what this prayer is. Your Bible even probably describes it up in the heading. It's, it's the Lord's Prayer, right? In fact, some people call it not the Lord's Prayer, but the disciples' prayer, because really it's, it's a prayer for disciples. It's a model for them to, to, to how to pray. It is, is a prayer that Christians are supposed to use to be able to, to pray effectively. And so the Lord's Prayer is our model. And I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer. Some of y'all, a lot of y'all have probably prayed that prayer. And I'm using the New Living Translation because I wanted to, to show you just, just what it really kind of means in, in modern language. And a lot of us have memorized maybe the King James Version, or New American Standard, ESV, or whatever. When we, the NIV, we've, we've learned these different versions, um, these different translations of this Lord's Prayer. And usually it has words like hallowed and thy, and all those like flowing, like, you know, Christian words or whatever, um, biblical words. And so you know, a lot of times we, we've, we've learned it that way. And, you know, when I was little or little, when I was younger and I was in high school and we were uh, playing um, soccer and high school soccer and my soccer team would get together before every game. We warmed up and it's about to start. And our coach would say, all right, guys, y'all gather around, you gather around and you take a knee, right? And so we would, we'd all take a knee and, and then he would lead us in the Lord's prayer. I thought that was great. But the reality is there was a lot of people in our, our team that, that weren't believers, and they probably didn't have a, a clue what that even meant. And I think us as Christians, in, in high school Christians, we were like, I don't even know what that means, but we're supposed to pray it. And I think as, as Christians, sometimes we look at this prayer and we say, you know what, uh, th- maybe this is some, some like spe- special magical words that if I just pray this prayer, then God's going to show up in my life. And the truth is, is that not, it's, not, it's not what this prayer is about. It's not this mantra that we just try harder and have, it, have a lot of faith and we pray this prayer that, that God's going to show up in our lives. No, this is, a, this is a, an example. It's a model for how to pray. And in fact, inside of this prayer, there are these elements that Jesus lays out for us for effective prayer. And I want us to look at some of those. And, and in fact, we're going to look at the seven different aspects of this prayer, and I'll go quickly, I promise. Let's see. So let's start in verse two. Let's look back at this prayer. Here's, here's what Jesus says. He says, this is how you should pray. He says, Father. Let me stop there, okay? Got through the first word, okay. So in Matthew chapter six, this is, there's also another example of the Lord's prayer, another recording of this, and it's actually the longer version. Um, the Luke version is a little bit shorter. But in Matthew chapter 6, it says, it doesn't say just Father. It says, our Father in heaven. But this word Father, this, this word is used 65 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke to describe God the Father. And in the Gospel of John, it's used over 100 times. And in fact, when Jesus prayed this prayer, he probably spoke Aramaic to his disciples. And so the Aramaic term for Father is Abba. And this word Abba is not used in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Jesus, Jesus says, hey, there's, there's something different. I am bridging this gap between, between God the Father and, and sinful man. And you know what? Now you can have this intimate relationship with God. You can call him Abba. You can call him Father. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus is in the garden, and he's about, to be, he's about to be arrested and betrayed. And he goes to God, and he says, Abba, Father. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible teaches us as Christians this, that because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. 
And then we read in Luke, we actually already read this in verses 9 through 13. Jesus goes on to describe what this relationship looks like. And he, he begins to say, you know what? God is not a God that's distant. He's a, not a God that has his, has his ear turned off. And he's not a God that, you know, likes to withhold things from his children. No, God will give us great things if we would just ask. He is a giving God. And so here's the first aspect for today. Number one, we pray to a giving father. We pray to a, a father who is giving to us. And look at verse, look at later on verse two. It says, Father, may your name be kept holy. Now, sometimes your, your versions, if you're looking at your Bible, you're probably here to say, hallowed be your name. Like, what does hallowed mean? It always reminds me of Halloween. I don't know why. But uh, just think of the word hallowed. What, what does that mean? What that, what that means literally is to, to be kept holy, to be glorified, to be honored, to be praised. Literally means to be set apart. And what Jesus is saying that we need to pray for is that his name, God's name, or his reputation will be set apart will be kept holy, will be honored. And so what Jesus is really teaching us today is this, number two, that we pray for moments to make God famous. Because here's the deal. We don't have to go to God and say, God, we want you, your name to be holy. And God's like, oh, thank you. You know, I want to make sure that I keep doing that. No, God doesn't need us to keep his name holy. He, he, can, he can do that on, on his own. But what we're really praying is that in my life, I want God to be famous. I want his name to be revered in my life to the point where when people see me, when people see this church, they think about God. They say, man, he's amazing. He's incredible. His name is holy. His name is hallowed. His name is set apart. We need to be praying. We need to be people that pray in our own lives, in our church for God to be famous. In verse 2, it goes on and says, Father, may your name be kept holy and may your kingdom come soon. In Matthew, it adds, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But this phrase kingdom or, or God's kingdom, you know, what in the world does that mean? It's used over 31 times in Luke. Like that's a, if something's used 31 times in a book, I mean, that's, that's like a theme for the book, Right. And so Luke uses it over and over and over to describe something. What in the world is God's kingdom? Well, God's kingdom is, is kind of a dueling thing. It's, it's a present reality. It's something that's going on right now, but it's also like a future hope of, of someday it'll be fulfilled and complete. But in, in general terms, the kingdom of God is God ruling over everything. He's in control, he's, he's uh, ruling the universe, he's ruling uh, this earth and the, the past, present, future. He is in control of everything. That is, that's the general phrase for God's kingdom. But in the spiritual sense, God's kingdom is are people who have turned towards Christ. People um, who have submitted their hearts and lives to, to the Lord. That's what God's kingdom is. We see this in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus says this. I assure you, no one can enter, what? The kingdom of God. No one can get into the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What he's saying is that without being saved, you can't get into God's kingdom. And so what Jesus is literally saying is that when people are saved, God's kingdom grows. So 
God's kingdom is made up of people on this earth, but also in heaven who have given their life to Christ. And so when we pray for God's kingdom to come, here's what we literally need to be praying for. We need to be praying for the lost to be saved. So when you hear the phrase kingdom of God, you gotta be thinking about saved people. And we want it to grow. We want it to be complete. We want it to be, want it to be the way God wants it to be. We want people to be saved. So the question I have for us today is, who's missing here? There are empty seats in this room. And I understand there's COVID and all that kind of stuff. And there's tons of people watching online right now. But who is missing to your right and to your left? Are there neighbors? Are there coworkers? Are there friends at school? Are there family members who should be here and they're not? Are there people that God has put within your sphere of influence, within your life, for you to make God famous, to, for you to, to pray that they would be saved and for you to be a part of that salvation in their lives and point people, point them to Jesus. Who's missing in this church? We need to be people as a church who are praying for the lost to be saved because Jesus tells us that's what we need to do. So let's look, go on and look at verse three. And then he says, probably the easiest part, give us each day the food we need. Thank you, Lord, for the food that we have, right? Give us each day the food that we need. And this, this verb, give us, it's, it's like a, a continuous verb. So it's not saying, hey, give us just today or give us, you know, in the future tomorrow. But it's saying daily, every single day, every single moment, God, give us the things we need. Give us food. And what is food used for? Food is used for fuel, nourishment. It's used for fuel to be able to do uh, life, right? To be able to have energy to do life. And here's what your life is all about. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so God is saying, the Bible is teaching us that we are supposed to do everything for God's glory. Like our lives should be revolved around that all the time. Wherever we find ourselves, we need to be people who are following after God and doing the things that God wants us to do. And so you know what we need? To do that, we need fuel, right? We need fuel. And so when Jesus says, pray for food, the food you need every day, here's what he's literally saying. We need to be people that pray to be equipped for God's work. Because if God doesn't equip us, he doesn't give us the energy, doesn't give us the things we need to be able to do the things that he's called us to do, it's gonna be really difficult for us to do that. So every day, we need to be praying, God, I need you. God, help me. Give me the things I need. Equip me. Maybe it literally is food. Like I need physical food. Here are the things I need in my life to be able to live for you. But you know what, God? Equip me. Give me spiritual food. Help me to be who you've called me to be for your glory. We need to be praying that kind of prayer. And then he goes on in verse 4 and says, and forgive us our sins. Jesus starts talking about sin, Right? Says we need to go to God and we need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. What, what is sin? Sin is when we take something that's really good and we, we twist it, we distort it, or we break it. Sin is just brokenness, right? And so we need to be praying this prayer that God would fix what is broken. And only he can fix it, right? Only he can fix it. Only God can fix it. And what's great is that Jesus didn't say, he didn't say, all right, God, 
here's what you need to do. You need to pray that God would give us energy and strength to overcome our sin and to pay for our sin and to fix what is broken. He doesn't say that you need to pray for, for the strength to be able to fix what is broken. He says you need to pray that God would fix what is broken. And honestly, that is the salvation prayer. That as Christians in this room, we have at one time in our lives made this decision, said, God, fix what is broken. And for some of you in this room, maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. And the first point in your relationship, the first starting point, the first step that you take in your relationship with Christ is saying, fix what is broken. We would, we would love for you to have the opportunity to do that today. As, as a staff, we, we're here for you. We'd love to sit down with you, however long it takes. We wanna, we will, if you want to ask questions, we have this connection room over here at the end of the service. We would love to sit down with you and, and walk you through what it looks like to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. But for Christians in this room, we do this daily, right? We need to go to God daily and say, God, fix what's broken in my life. Because the reality is we're still jacked up, aren't we? Right? Even with Jesus in our lives, sin is still in our lives. And we need to go to God daily and say, God, fix what is broken. And then he kind of couples, Jesus couples that with, with another part of verse 4. Here's what he says. It's not only forgive us of our sins, but, but as we forgive those who sin against us. And so we can't be people who reach out for God's forgiveness, but we don't reach down and offer forgiveness to other people either. Right? This is this dueling thing that we have to do both because if we're truly reaching out for God in this humility and saying, God, I'm messed up, I can't do it on my own, I'm asking for your help, we also need to reach down and say, you know what? I'm just as messed up as you. I'm no better than you. And we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all sin. You know what? I'm offering you this forgiveness. What Jesus is really saying here is we need to have a changed attitude towards other people. Our attitude towards people need to be changed. So here's this prayer. Number six, we pray for open arms and hearts. That needs to be our prayer. As individuals, pray, God, give me open arms and hearts. But also as a, as a church, this needs to be our prayer as well. I, I look at our campus and just the physical makeup of our campus, and we have this, this diamond-shaped like sanctuary here. But coming off of it are these two big wings when you look at it from the Google like earth picture, it looks like two big arms. And that needs to be what our church is known for. That we are people, we're not a church that is closed off and saying you got to be perfect to come in here or you got to be like us or dress like us or do things that, that we do. That doesn't need to be what our church is about. Our church needs to be about open arms and open hearts and say, you know what? We're all messed up. Because the truth is, we are. That needs to be what our church is is known for. And Jesus, he finishes and says this in verse four. And don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation. What he's saying is that we need to, to pray that we would be delivered from situations that would cause us to sin. If you're gonna run and jump really far, what do you need? If you're going to run fast, if you're going to lift something heavy, what do you need? You need strong legs, right? You need strong legs, right? Well, this is what our prayer needs to be. This is what Jesus is saying. We need to pray for strong legs. I'm not talking about physical legs. I'm talking about spiritual legs. 
strong legs where we can run from temptation, right? Have the ability to, when we see it in front of us, we can run from temptation. And when we find ourselves in difficult spots where we can stand firm, we stand firm on God's word as a church. That is who we are. And that's what we need to pray for. Because here's the deal. When we do that, we end up having a reputation that matches our words with our actions, right? Instead of being a church that we put stuff online and, you know, people understand some of the things we believe and we say all this stuff and then we go out to the restaurant and we uh, treat someone horrible. We cheat in business. We we lie and we steal and we just try to get by and we try to, we, we, we're prideful people and we hurt people. And we have messed up relationships. And, and instead of being people like that, maybe we need to stand firm and have strong legs as believers in Christ and as a church. Where our reputation lines up our actions with our words. So when we go to someone and say, hey, come to church, man. We're doing this awesome thing. You know what? Let me tell you about Jesus. They could look at you and say, okay. Instead of saying, you know what? Man, you're just a big hypocrite. I don't want to listen to you. I know the things that you do and the stuff you say. We need to have people have strong legs that we are being delivered from situations that would cause us to sin. You see, I believe God is... He's poised to do something incredible in our church's life. I think 2021 can be this turning point for us, but we need to be people who pray. We need to be people who pray to a giving father. We pray for moments to make God famous. We pray for the lost to be saved. We pray for God to equip us for his work. We pray for God to fix our brokenness and for for us to have open arms and open hearts. And we pray for strong legs to resist temptation. Here's something that I've realized is that personally, we need to be fixed big time. There's stuff going on in our lives that we need to be fixed. Maybe 2021 is an opportunity for that. But also realize that as a church, we need to be revitalized. Things need to change. And honestly, it's not gonna come from having incredible ministries or um, great plans or a great strategy or even better preaching because Lord knows we could have that, right? It's not gonna come from that. It's gonna, be, it's gonna come from us getting on our knees and saying, God, help us. God, we need your power. We need your strength. We can't do this on our own. And if we do that, I believe God is gonna do some incredible things in us and through us. So what can you do? Every time we read God's word, we need to take something from it and say, okay, how, how do I need to apply that uh, like immediately to my life? Let me ask you something. Will you join us to pray for Central? We pray for us. We pray for your church. Maybe you're a guest with your, us today. Man, pray for us. If you're watching online, pray for us. If you're a member here or online, Pray for your church family. Will you commit to praying for us? I want to give you an opportunity to, and a way to do that. And so, in fact, when you leave this place, at every single exit, um, there's a stool right there, and it's got a stack of these. And it's just a simple little uh, prayer card that we made. I'm not asking you to pray for the next five years. 
I just need you to pray this month, okay? The month of January to be our opportunity, our starting point of us to begin to pray and say, God, do your will in our lives. Help us. Fix what is broken. Change us, God, for your glory. And so this, this card can be just a reminder for you to do that. And so each week is just simply, each week there's just kind of a main theme for us to pray um, for. And so I, I put those, we put those on every um, entrance or exit. As you leave, man, just grab one of those, put it in your Bible, put it in your refrigerator. And each week, just in the month of January, to be praying um, for, for your church, for Central Baptist Church. And if you are online, um, and even for those of you here in this room, we're going to have all this on social media, so on Facebook, Instagram, all of our social media accounts. You can go and find those and be a reminder for you to pray during the month of January. <clears throat> because something's coming up big, guys. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be going through as a church and looking at what is next for Central. What does the future look like? So let's go to God and let's pray. Let's do that right now. Father, thank you for... Your word, thank you for Jesus, who gives us this perfect illustration and example of what it means to have an effective prayer life. And so, God, we come to you as your kids, asking you to hear our prayers and to answer us. God, we want to make you famous in our lives. God, we want you to equip us to do your work. God, we want you to to uh, take sin away, help us to have strong legs and to fight temptation. And God, forgive us when we've messed up. Fix what is broken. And God, help us to be a church that has open arms to people who may be different than us, the lost and the broken. Because God, we realize that we are no different and we're no better. And more than that, we are your hands and feet to a lost world. So God, give us a heart for the lost here in this community and around the world. So we pray for them. We pray, God, for the lost to be saved. We pray for our church that you would do something incredible this year. 2020 was rough. Maybe, God, we're only at the halfway point. But, God, you're, you're calling us to, to come out of that locker room different. To come out on fire for you, relying on you and trusting you. So, God, as we make big plans to do great things for you in 2021, God, I pray that we would start with prayer. We'd go to you and we would trust you. We'd get on our knees and beg you this month to do something incredible in us and through us. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.